I am Ansonia with Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold, a podcast which will feature conversations with musicians, singers, songwriters, radio personalities, and historians of gospel music. You will hear conversations with featured guests telling their story and history, their contributions to the richness of gospel music and where they see gospel music trends. We will have traditional, contemporary, neo-soul and hip-hop gospel artists and more. We look forward to bringing exciting shows and to present great episodes to keep you coming back for more. today is Lanvester Lance Jackson. He is a native of Atlanta, some people call it the ATL, uh, who began his musical studies with Dr. Mary Francis in the Atlanta Public Schools. His musical concentration was on guitar and organ, and at the age of 13, he was hired as a church organist for a local church and has been playing ever since. Lanvester has served churches in Chicago, Illinois, Seattle, Washington, Washington, D.C., and in Atlanta, Georgia, which includes 15 years as a staff organist and director of the Martin Luther King Jr. I'm sorry, of the Martin Luther King Sr. Choir. Correct. At the historic Ebenezer Baptist Church. Welcome to Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold. Hey, Lance, how you doing? I'm well. <laughs> how are you, my dear? I am doing just fine. Great. Now, I am uh, what you would consider a stalker sometimes. I find out somebody that I think is interesting and I'd like to learn more and I'd like my audience to learn more. And I'll tell you what drew me to you. You started posting on Facebook uh, little snippets of you playing the organ in mm-hmm. a pipe organ mm-hmm. and I think I wrote to you and said oh my gosh you brought back so many memories of when I was a little girl because I grew up in the Catholic church I was Catholic oh. I was Catholic and grew up in the Catholic church and we did have a pipe organ so I'm going to ask you to explain to people because everybody thinks that an organ is an organ is an organ explain what you feel is the differences between a pipe organ and a Hammond or just a regular organ? Okay, uh, well, there are distinct differences between a Hammond and a pipe organ. Um, uh, number one being the sound. Um, the Hammond was uh, created and reproduced to, uh, to give a big organ sound, but to, uh, for portability. And uh, I've had experience um, at both the church I grew up in. In fact, around the time I began to play, we had a pipe organ in our church. 
And um, I didn't touch a hammer until eighth grade. Mm. Yeah. So um, I, I signed up for the guitar class at Cohen Middle School. Class was being taught by Mary Frances Early, who uh, is the first African-American graduate of the University of Georgia. Wow. Yeah. So uh, she was my teacher, but my first day of guitar class, I walk into the room and there's a Hammond organ in the room. So I talked to her and the assistant principal into starting an organ class because um, yeah, I'd already been playing guitar and I entered the class so that I could you know, get lessons to learn how to do it properly. But I also knew that I wanted to play the organ. So I talked to them into starting the class there were about five, six of us in the class. After a couple of weeks, I was the only one left standing. So they couldn't justify, you know, continuing the organ class. Miss Early, almost every day the rest of that school year, taught me after school privately. Oh, okay. Gave her to do that for me and um, afforded an opportunity at Christmas time of that school year, she took me with her. She was being interviewed by Zenona Clayton for a talk show that she had on the air here and uh, allowed me to play. My gift took off lightning fast. Uh, I already had an ear, but I, uh, I needed to learn to read. So Miss Early, you know, really helped me with that. But my gift took off so fast. Now, mind you, I'm 12 years old when I start mm -hmm. lessons. At 13, I'm playing well enough for um, um, the pastor's wife at the church that my aunt and uncle attended oh. to hear me and hire me. Mm. <laughs> and so off I went, you know, to that little church and played for them about a year. And then uh, something happened at my home church. Of course, we had a pipe organ there, right? Mm -hmm. And the organist at our church at that time, uh, for whatever reason, required to have special instruction on how to use the organ. Mm -hmm. Well, you went to the pastor and told the pastor that he wouldn't be responsible for what happened to the organ if I was playing it because, uh, you know, I was, you know, a neo. <laughs> I didn't know what, you know, I was doing. Pastor had a talk with my parents who, uh, uh, God forgive them in heaven, cussed him out and kind of put that out what the pastor said. So uh, one of our members who had gone on to another church to co-pastor heard about it and offered me more than I was getting at the little bitty church to come play for them. This mm -hmm. was 1973. And from there, I spent five years at Mount Nebo Baptist Church. They hired me to play for the senior choir, Mama oh, Really? Yeah, yeah. And um, their repertoire was uh, very, very old school. They leaned a lot on um, the Roberta Martin singers. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of songs that, that she wrote and recorded. And so that's why I started started uh they had i think one two three four five choirs mm. by the time i left there 
um, shortly after graduating high school, I was playing for and directing all five of those choirs. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. That is really nice. <laughs> <laughs> really nice. So in, in talking about a, well, that's the Hammond organ. Yeah. Now describe to someone who's never actually maybe just seen it, but describe to someone a, a, a pipe organ and the differences. Well, yeah, the, a pipe organ, just we'll leave it that, at that. Um, most uh, pipe organs um, produce sounds uh, made by wind machines. Mm. There are a few electronic pipe organs that can simulate very closely the sound of an actual pipe organ. The approach to playing one is different you don't need to play as many notes, um, let me say in a chord. And um, your fingering has to be a whole lot more, you know, sure. So um, I, I guess I would say that's the difference, you know. And talk about the pedals on a pipe organ. The pedals on the pipe organ are generally the same as on a Hammond, uh, most standard, uh, full manual organs have 25 pedals. Mm. Organs do too. You use them the same way. Okay. All right. Yeah. Now with the pipe organ, well, I've seen those that have had the double bass pedals. So they'll have a rack on one side and then another rack. Those are the really huge ones. Well, oh, yeah. That's a real. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, those organs would have 32 pedals instead of the standard 25. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I know that there is, and there's a, such a distinct sound. Oh, yeah. With a, with a pipe organ and the richness to me in a pipe organ when you, when you hear that, because there are some churches here. Well, I'm in the Chicago area. And ah. there are some uh, Baptist churches that have them, um, I believe uh, one of my, um, a gentleman that I interviewed, Eric, uh, he went to, and I'm trying to remember the name of the church, but they still have their pipe organ mm -hmm. in place. And I'm, I'm like, man, they should really play that. But anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, they're for more uh, classical music. Um, a pipe organ would not lend itself well to gospel mm -hmm. music. And that's, you know, why the Hammond became so popular, you know, because it, it had a sound and an action and a way you played it that better suited gospel music than a pipe organ would. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad you talked about the speed because a pipe organ does not, re well, like you said, doesn't react well. So when you, no. when you play in, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of a fast song. You couldn't play that on the on the pipe organ because it would you would have too much redundancy or or it'll still be trying to breathe out the, the first part of it. Right. Right. <laughs> you right. Didn't think it, I it, 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 no, it would not lend itself well to uh to uh um a gospel song. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then so in your love of music, do you mm -hmm. still play the guitar? Very rarely, very rarely. 
Yeah, I, you know, I touch it now and then just to stay, you know, in practice. But um, I have three organs in my home. <laughs> Two how, hands. How, how many did three. you say? <laughs> three. <laughs> I know. I'm going to give uh, one of them to my son. But yeah, um, I have two Hammonds and I have a uh, Con Electronic Theater organ. Mm. Now talk about that kind of organ. Uh, You ever been to the big movie houses, say um, uh, the Chicago Theater? I ain't going to give away my age, but yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, it has that kind of sound. Great big orchestral sound of a theater organ. And I'll tell you how I I came to have this one. Um, I am staff organist at an Atlanta funeral home here. Hmm. And uh, I was looking around to help them replace the organ in their chapel. Put an ad, well, look through ads on Facebook Marketplace. There was an organ posted and they said, come get it, you can have it. Well, of course, a, a theater organ intrigued me and I'd always wanted to have one. And I went and looked at the thing and uh, it had belonged to the seller's brother who had died mm. that year. And uh, I sat down and played it and, and the seller just wept and he's like, you can have it. Mm. Mm. So all I had to do was, well, what I did, I finagled the deal when um, the people who were to move the funeral home organ for me, I got them to move mine. So I got a free organ and got it moved for nothing. Oh, okay. The folk at the funeral home cut me a deal. It's like, okay, well, you found us an organ, so you can use our folk to move yours. Okay. Isn't that nice? See, I always say, I, I tell people all the time. You know, God will give you a blessing and you don't even see it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen, my entire life is owed to grace and goodness. I have been afforded so many wonderful, wonderful opportunities. Uh, I'd have, I'd never thought that I would be playing at Ebenezer. Mm. Uh, my eighth grade year, Martin Luther King's mother came to our school to speak. And me, with my bold little self, I snuck out when she got finished with her speech because I wanted to be outside to meet her. Okay. Which I did. You know, I shook her hand and told her I enjoyed her speech. And wouldn't you know it that in 1987, I auditioned and was hired to be the accompanist for the Martin Luther King Senior Choir. Now, that was a choir that Mama King had started. Oh, okay. All right. So I met her and then took over the choir that she organized. Yeah. Uh, I was hired first as an accompanist in 1987, and the director decided to leave and offer me the position of director in 1991. Mm, Okay. Took it, and um, I stayed there until um, 2002. Okay. Yeah, and produced um, a recording project with them as well. Okay, and what was the name of that recording project? Lord, You Bring Me Joy. It was co-written by um, 
a, a wonderful young lady who was a part of my community choir. Uh, had a community choir, the Voice of Reason, and um, that was a title cut. Lord, you bring me joy, and there were a couple of other uh, compositions of mine that was on that project. Okay, we'll see. Isn't that nice? That is just yeah. <laughs> and those were the best years of my musical life because uh, the Martin Luther King Choir was—they uh, did predominantly gospel music. Okay. While the other choirs did more, um, more classical stuff, they did more anthems and, and spirituals and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I was thrown into a pool of musicians who were, I think, some of the best in Atlanta. Directing the church choir was uh, Uzi Brown, who um, I think uh, was head of music over at Morehouse. Uh, okay. David Morrow, who directed the, uh, still director of um, the Morehouse Glee Club. Hmm. Uh, Dr. Marva Carter was a church organist at that time. And um, uh, at several occasions during the year, the music department at Ebenezer would have to come together, you know, for special occasions. So, and those people, even more, even though they were more educated than I was, okay, embraced me and let me. Let, we learned from each other. Okay, so, so that was the greatest op uh, musical opportunity of my entire life. Well, that's good. I always like to hear when people are able to grow and move, and that that people aren't trying to stunt you what I what I call no. is that you know and work together and growing together because uh, I spoke with someone earlier about iron sharpens iron yeah and when you're working with people uh, sometimes and I know that in in all kinds of aspects that people there are some people that will try to uh, stop others from growing or developing but oh, yeah. I always like to see when people are helping one another grow and develop, because when you help someone grow and develop, you help, you're growing and developing yourself. Exactly. You can't mm -hmm. learn, you know, you can't help someone learn without learning yourself. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, and that has certainly, um, certainly happened for me at Ebenezer. Uh, I had regular access to a pipe organ. Um, the Martin Luther King choir sang on second Sundays. And uh, we still have morning hymns at Ebenezer. So I'd get on the pipe and do the morning hymn. And then for the rest of the service, depending on the song, I either move to the piano or the Hammond organ. Okay. So I got to play sometimes all three instruments in a service. <laughs> you was just bouncing around, boy. <laughs> I was. I was, well, I was much younger, too. <laughs> right You're now, still young. You're still young. Mm. Well, if God, if God says so in March, I will be 63. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Yay. 63. <laughs> right. Now, let me ask you, what started you to posting you playing the organ on Facebook? Or had you been doing it for a while? Um, um, when I got a, a Hammond C3 installed in my home, 
uh, and that was 2019. Uh, I decided I would start doing it. And, and my thought was that, you know, there are hymns and songs that people no longer sing on Sunday morning. So I'm like, let me start uploading some of the old songs. And I mm -hmm. did, and, and the feedback was wonderful. So I just kept doing it. Yeah, yeah. It is good to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about the growth of social media. I have, uh, my husband used to fuss at me a lot. You know, you always on Facebook, blah, 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 blah. I said, but I'm always looking for something positive. Uh, they always put in negative stuff and that's all we get is negative stuff. And it's, uh, it's such a delight to see something different, something fresh, something that is helping others because who knows? I was listening to, and I actually did this before the before the show started, because I, like I said, I stalk people sometimes. They, well, it's not stalking; it's research. Mm -hmm. And I came across you playing Amazing Grace, mm. and people, when you look at that or listen to that, let's say you're sitting at home and you know you're going through something, and if you put, I believe it's Facebook watch or something like that if you put that on like if one one is playing so the video pops up after that mm -hmm. and so you're basically having a, a little concert of your own yeah so that happened to yours and i was also listening to well i'll i'll just say i was listening to another organist and he was playing and it was just one video after the other and it is so refreshing to not have to listen to that um craziness listen to people fighting and stuff online and stuff oh, yeah. like that. This, it yeah. is so refreshing to me to hear a musician who is just, just playing from the heart and you can feel it and expression, oh. you know? So uh, just to let you know that, because let, let's say, I'm going to ask you this, throw this out there, a real crazy question. So you were told to play a specific song. Mm-hmm but you don't particularly like it. And, but you have to make it your own. Mm -hmm. Tell me what your process is when you go through that. First of all, to make sure that I, I know the song and I look for context um, with the words. <clears throat> I can talk about that now, especially because <clears throat> Um, generally in a lot of churches, the m music has stepped away from traditional church music, you know, to the new praise and worship, CCM sort of stuff. Now, it, it, most CCM songs, a lot of them will have no more than five to seven chords. Thank you. I said that. And and seven words, seven to 10 words. Listen, my daddy used to call them 7-Eleven songs. <laughs> seven words sung 11 times, he said. And, and you know, will bore him. And the music can be boring, but you know, you look for subtext and, and, and um, the, the words need to be nourishing. Um, they need to be theologically sound mm -hmm. for me to get into it. Okay. Okay. 
especially when it comes, you know, to church music. Where can I go in the word and reference what you're singing to me about? Mm -hmm. Okay, say that again. Where can I go in the word mm -hmm. to reference what you're singing about? Absolutely. That is that is my thought, and I'm not against uh, young people coming in, no. even even older people. And, and I say young because I'm I'm in in my fifth plateau, getting ready to move on to another one. But that's okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you know, when you think of that, and you think of the content, mm -hmm. is this going to help me spiritually to get closer to God? That's what I, I, that's what I think about. And um, mm. one of the other uh, musicians that puts out gospel videos is uh, Jeffrey Lavalley, A. Jeffrey Lavalley. Oh, he's and, a friend of Okay, okay. <laughs> I've talked to him. Oh, okay. <laughs> and when you hear it, and like I said, when I was listen, listening to some of the music that you did, especially, like I said, the first one that caught me was when you were doing the, using the pipe organ. Mm -hmm. you I could feel your heart in what oh. you play oh <laughs> you know well I, the first one you uh, saw me doing was blessed be the tie mm -hmm. blessed be the tie that binds our hearts and Christian love the fellowship of kindred minds is like to that above okay see context <laughs> the words absolutely you know and it, it reaches, you know, uh, like I said, it, it's just like, sometimes you don't have to have somebody to sing a song, mm -hmm. but just to listen to it and know that it is from, like I said, Amazing Grace. You, you're not singing that song. You're making the organ sing, mm -hmm. but I feel your heart in it and when you made that transition. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, yes, expect, listen, if you want me to lose my mind, let me even think of my favorite verse of that song. Mm. You mm -hmm. know, yeah. That's what, and I say, you know, every musician plays differently and you mm -hmm. can tell when a musician likes a song, when they think the song is okay, but when they really love it or feel it, mm -hmm. you can as well. And mm -hmm. making making uh, what would what you would think is an inan inanimate object literally move people. Mm -hmm. And yeah, anyway, I'll, I'll get well, off that, I'll get off that's that. That's always what I wanted to do. Um, music is more than technique, is more than knowledge, it is. If you don't feel it, mm -hmm. you know, nobody else will. You're right. You're right. You're absolutely correct. And mm -hmm. it is, it's, it's just like if you open up and you're telling somebody a poem mm -hmm. and if you don't feel that, that poetry, then that's why that young lady, and I can't remember her name right now, that gave that, that read that poem mm -hmm. uh, at, the, at the inaugural. Yeah. She felt that thing. Yeah. <laughs> when Maya yeah. Angelou would write, she felt that. And I don't yes. know if you're familiar with Gwendolyn Brooks. Of course. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so when you when you feel something and you um, put it out there, now the songs that you wrote, 
mm-hmm. that you penned, I know that you were moved to write them, but have you ever been approached and someone said, gave you lyrics and said, can you put the music to that? I certainly have. Okay. I certainly have. I, I've done that, you know, for some people. I've written some music that have been done in um, <clears throat> a couple of plays, a couple of productions. Yeah. Okay. They get they give me an idea or they'll bring me some words and, you know, I'll work with them and try and uh, give them a song back. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Name one of the, at least two of the songs that you've done. Uh, there was one for play. The song was called, Can You Reach My Friend? Mm. And I gave it, gave it a kind of plaintive, uh, a melody and the song talked about um, hoping to make contact with a friend who was in some spiritual distress. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So uh, that's one I did. Lord, there have been so many, but that one popped off the top of my head. Now that you ask, I can't name another one. <laughs> That's okay, because it's going to come to There have been a few. Yeah. So when you, uh, because sometimes people think, now I'll tell you, uh, when I took music as a kid, my brother laughed at me, would laugh at me and stuff. But then he would come to me and say, can you write a song for this? And I'm like, well, you just told me that uh, basically that I, I couldn't do this. Now you want me mm-hmm. to write a song. So, uh-huh. and, and it's not, sometimes it's not easy if somebody no. just gives you, some lyrics and say, uh, here, uh, write a song for this. Mm-hmm. Tell me what uh, what a process is. If if I were to, to give you, I was trying to look for something that I had in front of me. If I were to give you something that said, um, mm, we're diverse and trying to include, but I never gave you anything beyond that would you be able to develop something out of that? Yeah, I'd take that phrase and, and develop a melody for it, okay. you know? And then from there, you know, uh, try and fit something else onto it because that in itself, you know, that song won't be but what, three seconds. <laughs> that would be one of the C- CCM songs. No, listen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. For those who love CCM, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I love it. I'm, 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 you know, I'm talking about that kind of stuff. My only issue with today's music is there's, in my opinion, uh, too much of a willingness to not hear the stuff that was done before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, um, especially in churches, the music can have a both and approach, not either or. One of the saddest things in, in my life, and regrettably, even at my home church, where um, I'm presently serving as the director of music, is that our hymnals have been stacked in a corner mm-hmm. and not anymore in deference 
to the newer music. Hmm. Interesting. I never yeah. thought of that. That's sad to me. Yeah, yeah. I think if you do it properly, there's a place for all of it. You can still retain the hymn. Now, you know, now certainly the text of some of them is archaic and may not be understood, but I'm going back to when I was starting to do it. The, uh, the hymns did two things for me. Well, a couple of things. They encourage corporate singing. Mm -hmm. They tell some folk to read. Okay, sure did, because I had to read them hymn books in order to know, know the song. Yeah, I mm -hmm. mean, both musically and, you know, you're learning words. What if you come across a word or a phrase in the hymn that you don't quite understand? For me, it was an opportunity to go look it up. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know. Mm -hmm. now, but you don't have any more. They, they flash them seven words on the screen. You know, in most cases. <laughs> now, here's something. Uh, as we as you were talking about that, you reminded me of a, a show that I did dedicated to the song, Oh Happy Day. Mm -hmm. And I, I recently saw some people talking about or asked the question in a group about Oh Happy Day. Why do you think it uh, was so popular? Uh, I saw that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, the history really behind Oh Happy Day is it was written in the 1800s. Mm -hmm. It was a hymn. Yeah. And it took uh, Edwin to bring that to the 60s. Because when that song was originally written, it was written in the late 60s mm -hmm. and recorded in the, in the early 70s. 70s, yes. So we're looking at a hymn that came from the 1800s that went popular in the 70s. And as I mentioned, because I did research, I, I do try to look up stuff and so that I don't sound crazy. But that was a song that he rearranged, not specifically wrote, but he rearranged for a choir competition. Mm -hmm. And it was released in an underground, uh, well, we call them underground clubs, but it was an underground record label they released it and people, it, it grew popularity on the pop charts before the church accepted that song. Uh, I remember it exploding on the scene. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I remember hearing it on R&B radio. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, they didn't uh -huh. just play that song on the gospel station. They mm -hmm. played that one on R&B radio. That's where I became aware of it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we were talking because some of my guests that I've spoken to have been overseas and they said, you can't end a concert. They don't consider it a concert overseas unless you have included that song in your repertoire. Mm -hmm. so, because it became such a worldwide hit. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. But if someone really knew the, the history behind it. So let's look at a hymn in, mm -hmm. in the book. What if you, hopefully I'm giving you an idea, giving a spark, take one of those hymns and contemporize it and teach it to the choir, not telling them where it came from, 
and and taught it to the choir or the praise group to sing that song do you how do you think that would get over or go over with the oh it would go it it would it would go over well and uh there have been several folk who've done it in the past. I've done it with uh, one of the hymns. It's a way to uh, keep the hymn, but you give it a fresh twist. Mm -hmm. And therefore you haven't thrown the original out the door. And then it, it gives the listener something to go back to. Where did this come from? You know? Yeah, hopefully people will do research because sometimes people I see on uh, social media that will take something at its word and just, you know, think that that's when it happened. It just happened this year. Wait a minute now, you know, the world's been around for a long time. <laughs> and the word of God says there's nothing new nothing under the new. sun. Nope, nope. <laughs> So, it, and it's just basically things, like you said, you take it and you put a little twist to it and add that mm -hmm. on there. Mm -hmm. But you keep the original thought. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You keep the original thought. And uh, oh, happy day, that fixed my choice. Now, Edwin didn't use uh, that fixed my choice in, the, uh, uh, in his arrangement, but he kept, uh, most of the body of the original hymn, mm -hmm. the words he taught me how to watch and to fight and pray and live rejoicing every day. That came from the original hymn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I could teach a class. I could no, just kidding. <laughs> but it's it's you know when you think about it, I actually I have heard a few new artists who are going back to some of the old music and revamping it. And although this was a few years ago, um, I believe her name is Anita, that redid a song that the Barrett sisters did. Mm -hmm. You know, and I say, just take some of the, I understand that you don't like the old version, so to say, but put some new twist to it, put some more flavor on it. Just like if you drink, if you like, uh, if your favorite drink is Coca-Cola, cause you're in Atlanta, I know. <laughs> <laughs> your your favorite drink is a coca-cola <laughs> but instead of putting a lemon in it because everybody been putting lemon in it what if you drop some raspberries in it and you get a new flavor mm -hmm. that's going to be all the rage like when they came out with the cherry uh coca-cola you know it's still the original coca-cola mm -hmm. we're just adding some more flavor to it it gave you some variety. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You, know, you know, you can listen, you can take an old piece of clothing in your closet and dress it up by how you accessorize it. Mm. That's true. It, and, and I do it all the time with an old suit. Now, this is an old suit, but a fresh shirt and tie, you know, folk will think it's a new suit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the same can be done uh, with sacred music, with a lot of it. Yeah, hopefully mm -hmm. uh, there will be a surge in people taking the hymns and sacred music and giving it new vitalization. I'm not gonna say new life because it already has life, mm -hmm. but giving it new vitalization so that it is more relevant because I think 
this is just me, especially in the old hymns, they gave you, as you talked about earlier, they gave you parts of the Bible. Mm -hmm. I, re I remember a song, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. Now, when I was a kid, I didn't know that was, that was a scripture in the Bible. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, I was, I learned so much scripture and didn't realize it. I was singing it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's a fine way to do it, you know, because it, Again, you know, if you do some research, it opens you up to learning some things. And a lot of uh, songs may take just a few lines or a certain phrase from scripture and make a song out of it. It's an opportunity, I think, for me to go back and read what that was about. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, it does. It gives you a reference, a point of reference to go to. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And nothing wrong at all with referencing the word of God. Right. Right. Nothing at all wrong with that to me. Yeah. I had a uh, conversation with uh, a young, a young man and he was talking about, I had mentioned something. I, I, I can't recall the entire conversation. And I said, well, if you have the Bible app on your phone, you can pull it up and blah, blah, blah. And he said, I said, and uh, look in the, I said, look at the message version. And he looked at me real crazy. And he said, the what? I said, the message version. I said, so yeah. you have King James. He didn't even realize that there were different versions of the Bible. Now mm -hmm. that tells me sometimes, what are they, what are you being taught in church? Really? Mm -hmm. That there are different versions, different translations of the Bible so that people can understand it better. That's the reason mm -hmm. why they do that. And to me, that's the same with a song. They give you different versions of a song so that you understand it better. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, but you know, some folk, at, you know, especially with the scriptures, <clears throat> with the old language, they ain't go back and pick that up and look at it no more. <laughs> well, and Think different versions of the Bible, like the Message Bible, makes uh, make biblical scripture more accessible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It does it it because it breaks it down, and then the you have the American Standard Version that also gives you, you know. So I always try to tell people, you know, look at it in a different way don't just look at it in king james version because of course that was the first translation look at it in different versions and that way you can understand it so in other words sometimes when i going back to music if you look at it in different versions maybe you'll understand it better so if you get up there and you're seeing amazing grace but you change it and add up tempo to it and maybe change a few you know, of course, we know, though, they've done Amazing Grace a gazillion times. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just using that for an example. But it it will hit someone differently. You know, there's some folk who don't even know how to play it. Uh, we've been, I've been doing an interview process for the last couple of days uh, to find somebody to replace me where I'm serving. And uh, we had a candidate as part of his audition pro process 
asked him to play Amazing Grace. And when he got through, I had to make it be Amazing Grace because it surely wasn't. <clears throat> and it is, well, I'm laughing because I think that is ironic that, and I just said this to somebody a little earlier, it's like the 18 year olds and the 20 year olds think they got it all underway. They got it all oh, in yeah. the hand and don't want to go back. I'm not going to go back and I'm not going to look at what you all did back in the day. And I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. But there are sometimes there are specific requests. Like I even watch and see where people don't know how to transpose. They don't know yeah. how to, uh, they don't know how to play it. So they don't know how to play a song in a specific key. Well, mm, you know, make yourself grow is what I'm, yeah. I'm trying to, trying to find out. Make yourself grow, learn yeah. how to, you know, do something different. I know that, uh, and especially even if you read music, that you can learn how to transpose that in reading it. Sit down mm -hmm. at the piano, not at mm -hmm. a keyboard that can do the transpose for you. Sit down at a keyboard and learn how to play in different keys. So well, um, <clears throat> and I've taught uh, private lessons too. And especially the last few years, one reason I don't do it anymore, um, a, lot of, a, a lot of people they don't want to learn the mechanics of music. They want to press a button mm. and have it kind of, you know, mm -hmm. uh, do for you. Like, I, I'm grateful that I grew up in an era, no transpose button on the instrument. You sure. know, I learned on an acoustic piano, no transpose button, you know. They became popular on into the 70s, but uh, when I began, they weren't, they didn't exist. So I had to learn how to play in different keys. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and you did that by sitting your tail down and practicing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that is, that, that is something key. Um, I just spoke with a guest on my show and talking about practice, people think that you don't need to practice. Oh, I got that. You no. need to practice every day. <laughs> Listen, I'm at 50 years in doing this and I still sit down and practice, mm. you know. Um, uh, I have a worship leader where I am now who chooses the music. She gives me a list or, she, you know, she sends out what she'd like. To, I got to go and listen and um, find the sheet music if I need to or um or create sheet music if I need to, but I have to actually spend time sitting down with the music, learning it to play it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I still have to do that. Yeah. I had a, a incident, well, not an incident. It was a really interesting conversation. Uh, and I am a musician, I'm a closet musician. And I was asked to write music for a production. Mm. Um, and of course, when my husband asked me that, I thought he was crazy, but anyway, <laughs> I went ahead and by the anointing of the Lord, I wrote some songs. So I'm teaching and this, uh, young man, he's probably about at the time, he was probably about 16 years old and we mm. had gotten a band together. So we had another keyboardist, a drummer, 
And so it was gonna be three keyboards. And I asked him to play a specific way, gave him mm -hmm. the stuff, told him to play a certain way. And he's gonna, he's determined to do what he wants to do. And I just snapped at him and I said, look, baby, I was the one that wrote this. So I know how it's supposed to go. Uh-huh, or how I want it to go. Yeah. So he looked at me real crazy and the other two musicians that were there, uh, the other keyboarder said, uh, yo man, when someone asks you to play a specific way and you're a musician, you play it the way they ask you to pay it, play it, especially if they're paying, <laughs> you know? But what he, the shock on his face was the fact that I had actually written the music that he was playing. So I'm like, I know what I want to hear and you're not playing what I want to hear. So I told him, I said, you go home and practice. I don't need to practice this. I said, oh, baby, no. I said, baby, practice is what makes you better. If you don't practice, it's not going to sound the way you need to. So I understand that the other guys had a conversation with him. Needless to say, he started playing it better. And I said, I can tell that you've been practicing because you're playing it the way I asked you to play it in the first place. And I said, and if you don't believe me, I got it on tape. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know, and, and he thought that, oh, I could just come to rehearsal, play and move on. And I said, no, you got to practice. You got to practice every day. Mm -hmm. You know, so. It's I, important. Mm -hmm. It's important, mm -hmm. especially if you want to, um, you know, get better at your craft. I, you know, had employment in corporate America, but I was very, very fortunate <clears throat> having two careers, you know, and, and the other one in music. It's very important to me. In fact, uh, by the grace of God, I did well enough that I left corporate America. I was like 52. It's like, uh-uh, I'm gonna kill somebody. Let me just get out of here. <laughs> Don't kill you nobody. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Because it's crazy out there. Mm -hmm. You know, church folk can be crazy too, but I'd, I'd a whole lot rather earn a living uh, doing something I'm passionate about. Okay. Yeah. From uh, the time I was a very small boy, I knew I wanted to play the organ. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I, you may not relate to this, but uh, you didn't have to make me go to church. I'm a little boy. And back in those days, the television soap operas had organ music. So, you know, oh, okay. the kids, you know, outside, I'm, I'm in there with mama because she's watching her stories. <laughs> and I'm watching with her because, you know, the scenes will be punctuated in most cases with organ music. Okay. Okay. Wow. So I, I even fell in love so with that i started writing one of the organists to the shows and guess what they wrote he that. always wrote me back okay well isn't that nice that was great what a way to get some encouragement <laughs> that, yeah but if it was organ music it excited me well that's good no matter where i heard it that is good yeah i was thinking about somewhere else oh i knew what i was going to ask you uh in becoming a funeral home organist because mm -hmm. funeral funerals play a little differently than they do in church yeah 
And well, like you said about soap operas, when you listen to the soap opera music, they also play differently. But to me, oh, yeah. to me, it sounded more like the organ that they played at the ballpark. Because in Chicago, they had this lady that would play a concert organ. Mm-hmm. And it would always remind me of, like you said, about the soap operas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, leading back to oh yeah, what what they they borrow from old movies or you know I guess you would say some of it sound like ballpark because one guy who played for the show actually played uh, he was a New York Yankees organist for years. Oh okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see that is you know, and when you think about that. A lot of people think that the only place an organ can be played is in church. No, nope. and like you said, in in a lot of the mu- the movies, yeah, I fell in love with music, period, and singing off of television because I used to watch musicals all the time. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Listen, and I grew up when uh, the Ed Sullivan Show was on. You heard every type of music on the Ed Sullivan Show. Okay. All types of music. I mean, from R&B to country to opera to, you know, classical country, mm-hmm. you know, you could hear some of everything on the now, Ed Sullivan show. I could, I, I vaguely remember the Ed Sullivan show, so, um, but I do know that we have watched some of the uh, episodes, because I think I was maybe a, a toddler then, but I do remember them talking about the Ed Sullivan show and stuff. And the people that would come on there, I did, I knew that they always say, we're going to have a really good shoe. That was the only thing that I could remember. <laughs> mm-hmm. But as far as the artists and stuff, I, I never really paid attention to until yeah. one of the stations here in Chicago started playing some the of reruns. those. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, I oh, thought yeah. it was, I, for some reason, I, I thought it was maybe a talk show and music. But I, I rem- the main music I used to remember hearing was like the polka music, or maybe that wasn't mm-hmm. Ed Sullivan. I'm not sure. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah. But so- you know, it was important back then um, uh, for us Black people too, because um, there weren't a whole lot of positive images for us to see of ourselves on mm-hmm. television, mm-hmm. you know, uh, let's say in the 60s, not a whole lot of them. But it was always a big event um, to see the Ed Sullivan show because, you know, you're going to see some of our folks. You're going to see James Brown. You're going to see the Supremes. You're going to see the Temptations, you know. Ella Fitzgerald. Oh, I love Ella, her. And, oh God, God. She's my favorite female singer of all time. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah. or Louis Armstrong or Lena Horne, or, you know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> see we've gone off onto a whole different tangent of music but that's okay we but talk- you see music is so expansive it is how can you not and music brings everybody together no matter what what nationality you are what kind of background you come from music will bring people together yes mm-hmm. yes it's the universal language oh yeah, yeah. now I did want to ask you something about uh, funeral home organists because I usually take notes okay. while I'm talking. How did that come about, about you becoming a funeral home organist? 
Um, very simple facility. I guess a lot of uh, the funeral homes do hire out the local organists, you know, to play for services there. Mm -hmm. um, at my home church, there was a family who also came out of our home church who run a funeral home. So, okay. um, and in fact, the folk who are running it now, we grew up together. So um, when I moved back to Atlanta from DC in 2012, um, they asked me to come over and play at the chapel for a funeral. And uh, from then on, I was appointed that person. They needed somebody to play. I wasn't working a nine to five, but my you know, schedule was flexible. And so they need an organist for in-house service. They called me. Okay, all right. Mm -hmm. uh, and the reason why I ask that is to, you know, in case somebody is listening to the show and they say, well, how can I go about doing that? That's why I ask certain questions and try to mm -hmm. try to venture down different avenues so that people that are listening can learn and grow and say, hey, maybe that's something I can do. Or, you know, maybe I could sit down and uh, pull one of those hymn books out the corner and blow the dust off and find something that inspires me to bring it into service into the 21st century. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. now what I'm going to ask is what you're doing now and how can people get in contact with you? Um, what am I doing now? I am director of music for Paradise Missionary Baptist Church here in Atlanta where I was born and raised. This is my second stint as a director of music. I was a minister of music back in the eighties okay. before uh, Ebenezer hired me away. And uh, I'm still staff organist at the funeral home, but all that's about to change because at the end of um, January, I'll be moving to Miami. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there are a couple of churches that I'm in conversation with. So uh, at this point, neither of us have chosen each other, but I kind of got a feeling where I'm going to wind up. And I'm also getting married. So my life is going to do a 360. A change. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My life is going to do a change. So I'm going to be in a new city, new life, um, and a new church. All right. Well, that mm -hmm. is nice. Now, for before the move or during the move, because I'm sure you have a social media uh, presence, how can people get in contact with you if they'd like to get in contact with you? If they'd like to uh, uh, contact me, I can be reached via email at jacktoonmusic at aol.com. And jacktoonmusic is one word. J-A-C-K-T-U-N-E-M-U-S-I-C. -E um, I have a YouTube page. You can go and look at some of my videos. Uh, you'll see me playing all kinds of music. You'll see me playing some soap opera things. You'll see me playing pipe organ. You'll see me playing my theater organ. You'll see me playing Hammond. Uh, there are clips of um, uh, a couple of cl clips from when I was at Ebenezer and and some other churches I have worked with. And uh, I do have a Facebook page. I'm Lance Jackson. Okay, wonderful. Well, I want mm -hmm. to thank my guest, Ladvester Lance 
Jackson for participating in this segment of Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold. These shows are to explore, record, and raise excitement about gospel music and its gold. I hope you, the audience, enjoyed this episode as much as I have. Please send me an email sharing your thoughts about this show segment and if you have suggestions for future guests you would like to hear. Send an email to let's talk to gmg at gmail.com. That's let's talk the number two gmg at gmail.com. You may like or share the episode, or how about subscribe? And you'll be alerted when the newest show was published. I am your host, Ansonia, saying, let's sing, let's shout, and tell of the great news through Gospel Music Gold. Until the next episode, take care and God bless. of Born to Speak to You, I'd like to invite you to my brand new workshop called Discipline is the Bridge. Discipline is the bridge between your goals and your accomplishments. We're going into a new year and people are setting New Year's resolutions once again. Well, guess what? 88% of people that set New Year's resolutions will not see it through to accomplishments. Why? Because they don't know how to set goals properly. So, my workshop will help you get from goals to accomplishments using discipline. You see, self-discipline is the bridge between your dreams and your accomplishments. As soon as you're able to master discipline, it can change your life. So I hope that you will join us at this exciting workshop. It's all on Saturdays. You can go to any session you want, Saturday, January 15th at 1030 Central Time or January 22nd at 12 p.m. Central Time or January 29th at 10 a.m. Central Time. The link to register is disciplineisthebridge.eventbrite.com. That's disciplineisthebridge.eventbrite.com. I hope to see you at the workshop. <laughs>